that is not the passage that I want you to read with me. I want you to read with me a different one. Matthew 27, starting in verse 57. And when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man came to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given over to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word is uh, current. Your word is current yesterday, today, and forever because it is timeless truth. And it is to your timeless truth we now turn. Because this truth transcends what's, whatever's going on out in our workplace, out in our society, out in our family situations. It transcends all of that, Lord, because it penetrates through to the depth of who we are. And there's a sense in which that when your truth is spoken, we identify with it. Because your spirit of truth leads and guides us into all truth. So when your truth is spoken, there's a sense in which your spirit identifies with our spirit as it's being spoken, as it's being understood. So I pray this morning that you would help us to understand your word and to implement it into our lives as we understand the lessons from it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing our series on biblical characters from the Bible. Biographies is what we're really doing. And this morning we're taking a look at Joseph of Arimathea. Now, in order to make this sermon a little bit more fluid, uh, I want to give you the, the scripture references to begin with, and you can just jot them down in your notes, and then um, you can take a look at them later. So if you're taking notes, uh, just jot down these four uh, passages. This is in John chapter 20, Matthew 27, Mark 15, and Luke 23. These are the passages that I'm getting the majority of my uh, information from in this morning's text in regards to this character called Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. He's not a well-known character, but his story is quite an incredible one. And I'm sure, just like you, or rather, just like me, you'll enjoy um, understanding him more deeply as we take a look at him in more depth. He is called Joseph of Arimathea because this is where he's from. He's from the town called Joseph. Uh, he's from the town called Arimathea. And according to Luke chapter 23, it's called the City of the Jews, a city of the Jews. And located just northwest of Jerusalem, called the City of the Jews, you can imagine that was fully immersed in Jewish culture, in Jewish religion, along with many uh, Jewish people living in that city. This is a city that Joseph would have grown up in. Rich heritage, kosher food, and of course, very religious. And from all accounts, Joseph embraced it all, especially in regards to the Jewish religion, Judaism. By the time we find him later on in Mark chapter 15 and verse 43, he is called a prominent member of the Jewish council or the Sanhedrin. And you don't get to become a key religious leader in Judaism without training. So we can assume, therefore, that he also spent some time in training. We don't know where he got this training from. But this likely happened in Jerusalem. Maybe this is a place where he met Nicodemus. Later on, you remember uh, that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they team up together when they take down Jesus from the cross. And maybe the two of them met in one of the schools of Judaism in Jerusalem. Maybe the school even of Gamaliel, 
We can't say this for certain, but more than likely, therefore, Joseph probably got his training in Jerusalem. And he quickly made his way up the ranks of Judaism to the point where he becomes, as we read here, a prominent member of the Jewish council, meaning that he was now fully immersed in this Jewish religious sect as one of their chief leaders. And these guys, they were not good. Jesus describes such rulers as proud, attention-seeking, judgmental, arrogant, pompous, money-hungry, and whitewashed tombs. That's the description of Jesus to these guys. And as one immersed in this religious sect, this would have been an accurate description of Joseph of Arimathea. But somewhere along the way, Joseph gave his life to Jesus. Now, where this happened, we don't really know. But by the time we get to the crucifixion of Jesus, Joseph is called a righteous and a good man and a disciple of Jesus. So maybe it was through his fellow Jewish counselor, Nicodemus, who met Jesus first. You remember back in John chapter 3. Maybe after Nicodemus's meeting up with Jesus, he came back and he told Joseph of Arimathea about it and the two of them began to explore what it would be like to be a disciple of Jesus. We don't know. Maybe it was through some kind of personal encounter with Jesus that's actually not recorded in the scriptures. John chapter 20 says that there's many more things that Jesus had done, but they're not written in the scriptures. So maybe one of those occasions, Joseph of Arimathea met Jesus personally, gave his life to the Lord. Again, we just don't know. But whatever, his initial conversion to Jesus was real. But the Bible records him as a secret disciple. A disciple of Jesus, yes, but a secret one. And his secrecy was tied to the fear of the Jews. Then he had a right to be fearful of the Jews. According to John chapter 9, there was a standing order of excommunication. Excommunication from the synagogue to anyone who would proclaim Jesus to be the Christ. It was a standing order. And excommunication would even end up in a further degree with, with Stephen's life of murder as this group began to get furiously enraged at Stephen. You remember the story in Acts chapter 7. They take him out of the city and kill him. No doubt about it that Joseph knew all about these guys, especially as one of their chief leaders. These guys had power. But it's not fair to call this secret disciple a coward. When these rulers had a meeting to talk about the fate of Jesus, Joseph stood in opposition to them. Luke chapter 23 says he had not consented to their plan and action, so already he's standing in opposition to them. As a whole, the Jewish leaders, they wanted Jesus gone. And when it came time to cast his vote, Joseph stood in opposition to his colleagues. Maybe then Joseph would be better described or likened to somebody like Daniel of the Old Testament, who was also a secret follower of God. You'll remember that Daniel worked alongside a team of Babylonian rulers who were all devoted to idol worship, but not Daniel. But he could work with them, and he did work with them, as a silent and quiet follower of God. But there was a time when Daniel's relationship with God was challenged, at which point he came out as a bold follower of him. I would suggest this is something similar to Joseph. While his fellow Jewish leaders were excommunicating people from the synagogue, Joseph stayed quiet on the matter. But when the plot was put together against Jesus, Joseph voted against it. 
And furthermore, when Jesus was crucified, Joseph made his allegiance to Jesus very public. The Bible tells us at that time that Joseph went to Pilate directly to gain permission to take down the, the body of Jesus. Mark chapter 15 describes Joseph's inner disposition at this time as gathering up courage to ask Pilate for the corpse of Jesus. But in doing so, Joseph was making his allegiance to Jesus public. Luke chapter 23 tells us that, this fellow, that the fellow Jewish leaders of Joseph were actually hurling insults at Jesus, even while he's still suffering on the cross. Joseph would have nothing to do with this. He was clear now making his departure from his fellow leaders. And while these other leaders were berating Jesus, Joseph had a plan. He was busy planning to take care of the body of Jesus. The Bible makes it very clear that taking care of the corpse of Jesus was very much a premeditated plan of Joseph. And here's how the plan went. First of all, he would, he would have to approach Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus. Then speak to Nicodemus, his fellow Jewish leader, about taking down the body together. They would take it down together. And they would wrap it in a new linen that Joseph had prepared for Jesus. He would also bring a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloe and put them around Jesus' body and then wrap him in this linen. Then the two of them, the plan was that they would carry Jesus away from there and to his own personal expensive tomb. It was carved right out of the mountainside, very expensive. It's Joseph's own personal tomb. Nobody, nobody had ever been laid there before. So according to one source, both the quarried tomb and the spices together would be worth somewhere around $150,000 to $200,000 in today's money. You see, Jesus meant everything to Joseph. And so now in front of his fellow Jewish counselors, he was making a public stand. Matthew 27 tells us that the Jewish leadership knew exactly where Jesus' corpse was laid. They knew exactly where this tomb was. And knowing exactly where this tomb was, they would have known it was Joseph's personal tomb. It didn't matter. He was associating with Jesus now. And by associating with Jesus, especially as a dead man, he was also accursed. Deuteronomy 21 verse 23 says that the one who is hanged on a tree is accursed. And Joseph is now proud to be associated with this cursed man. This man who was mocked and abused and pinned to a cross, this man was his savior. You see, this secret disciple of Jesus was not a coward. Rather, he was described as a righteous and good man. And you don't get that character trait in a moment. It's given to you over time when you exhibit this characteristic. And righteous people in the Bible are described as those in right standing with God. Righteous is, common, is a common term used for those who will be in heaven with God. This is a description of Joseph of Arimathea. Yes, he was a secret disciple, but he was rightly connected to God in righteous standing. Now, I would remind you that at the time Joseph was proudly connecting with Jesus in his death, the disciples were all in hiding. Mark chapter 14 and verse 15 said, All the disciples left him and fled. When life and death threatened the disciples, they all took off. And while these disciples were all in hiding, Joseph was boldly showing his allegiance to Jesus in public. His entire life to this point had been one of prominence as a Jewish leader in the Sanhedrin. 
but he was willing to let all of this go to proudly show his commitment to Jesus Christ when many others would turn away. The Bible tells us that Joseph was looking also for the kingdom of God, looking for when God's kingdom would be reestablished on this earth. And for Joseph, this didn't stop at the death of Jesus. See, other people were confused when Jesus died. They were confused as to what all was going on. But even if Joseph had been somewhat confused, this was no longer the case. However Joseph saw the death of Jesus, his desire was to be connected to him in his life and his death. Had he thought that Jesus was a failure, like many others had thought, I doubt he would have spent $200,000 on his burial. The story of Joseph is a powerful one. It's a story of a guy who gets radically transformed from a proud, attention-seeking, judgmental, arrogant, pompous, money-hungry man to a proud follower of Jesus, a good and righteous man, the Scripture says, proud to be associated with Jesus in his life and his death. Sometimes when we think about people, I don't know, in your context, if it's in your family or your workplace, your neighborhood, I don't know. And maybe as you look at their life, they're riddled with all kinds of sin. And sometimes it's hard for us to look past the sin to see who they are. That's not the way God sees humanity. That's not the way he saw Joseph of Arimathea. God sees humanity, all of them, as potential followers of his. It's the way that Jesus saw Saul when he was persecuting the Christian church. It's the way that Jesus saw the woman who was caught in adultery. It's the way that Jesus saw that rip-off artist, Zacchaeus. And it's the way he saw Joseph, a potential follower of Jesus. And so he became one. Of course, that's the way Jesus saw all of us. He didn't see us in all of our sin. He says, there's Dan Jansen. That guy could be a potential follower of mine. We don't know if Jesus and Joseph ever met. But we do know that Jesus changed his life as he's done for all of us. Many of us may not be a bold, extroverted evangelist for Jesus. It's often touted as something, if you're really committed to Jesus, you'll be a bold, extroverted evangelist. Joseph didn't seem to be that kind of guy, but he was still called righteous. He was still called a good man and a disciple of Jesus. And when time came, he made a bold declaration of his followership of his Christ. This is to be the story of our own lives. When it comes time, and there will be a time, as there is in all of our lives, there's going to come a time where you need to declare your allegiance to Jesus Christ. question is, will you do it? I don't know if it'll happen, maybe in your family. Maybe it'll happen in your workplace. People are making fun of something to do with Christianity, something to do with Jesus. In those moments, will you stick up for Jesus Christ or you shrink back? Will you run into hiding or will you be a bold follower of his? Well, I trust you will. Joseph of Arimathea, great story. Uh, I do have some lessons for you and uh, I want to put them up. Um, I think we can put them up on the screen behind me. We've got only a few people here, but uh, Conrad, can we get those? You are perfect. So first of all, even the most unlikely of people can turn into bold followers of Jesus. 
Even the most unlikely of people can turn into bold followers of Jesus. Who would have thought a guy like Joseph of Arimathea, steeped in Jewish religion, getting to the point where he moves all the way up the ranks to becoming a prominent member of this council, and everybody around him wants nothing to do with Jesus Christ. But this guy ends up to be a bold follower of his. Even the most unlikely people, I don't know who they may be in your life, I've had them in my own life that I have thought um, that that this guy over here is the most unlikely guy. I remember one of the guys on my baseball team, and it's not Dan Green. Um, Even though many of you think of that, it's not Dan. One of the guys on the, another guy in the baseball team, I thought, wow, this guy, that guy's never a guy that would ever want to talk about God or things of the Lord or anything spiritual. And that was clearly not the case. So don't look at people, like, don't look at people from what their sin is like. Look at them as potential followers of Jesus. Secondly, regardless of the unsympathetic context Christians find themselves in, when the time comes, they will not shrink back from embracing a bold allegiance to Jesus. Do you remember that in the early chapters of Revelation? And Jesus is telling this church, he's saying, there's coming a time where you're going to be tested. Some of you are going to be thrown into prison. You stay true to me right through to the end, and you'll receive the crown of life. That was their time. This was Joseph's of Arimathea's time. And there will be a time for all of us. And as Christians, when we find ourselves in that context where it's unsympathetic around us, as Christians, we will not shrink back from embracing a bold allegiance to Jesus. And then finally, even though a Christian may not be a bold evangelist, this does not exclude them from being characterized as a righteous disciple of Jesus. This is a very important one. Sometimes, and I've, I've actually heard in, in recent months this, um, <clears throat> this notion of guilt, if you're not really a person who's out there being this bold evangelist, then you're not really sold out for Jesus. And yet here we find this guy being described as a righteous man. He was a secret disciple up to that point, but in that secrecy, he was still called a righteous man. Maybe he wasn't a bold evangelist like other people were, but he was a righteous man, good and righteous man, a disciple of Jesus whom God loved. And so we can't evaluate, oh, this person's more godly than that because they're some kind of bold evangelist. It doesn't exclude you from being characterized as a righteous disciple of Jesus. Now, I don't know what you all are thinking about all of this. Um... But I trust you've learned from uh, Joseph of Arimathea, as I have. It's, uh, I find it curious as I've been going through these different Bible characters and putting myself into different positions and places as I find them in those places in their lives and asking myself the question, what have I done and what was I like? And I hope this is the kind of uh, sermon that uh, leads you to good conversations with your kids husbands and wives around the dinner table. Remember, this is the kind of thing that the the Word of God is supposed to invoke in our families, to be the kind of people who talks about the Lord when we sit down, when when we lie down, when we sit to eat supper, when we walk by the way. So I trust you'll have some good conversations about Joseph of Arimathea. And now we can add one more guy, one more guy we can look forward to meeting in glory and asking him all about his story and how he gave his life to Jesus, as I'm sure he will ask us back. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. It never returns void. It never does. I'm grateful, Lord, for the opportunity I've had this last week to dive into this godly man, Joseph of Arimathea, and the way that he lived out what it was like to be a follower of yours.
surrounded by a bunch of guys who wanted nothing to do with Jesus, and yet he still had a strong commitment to you. When the time came, Lord, he had to depart from them, making a bold declaration through his public testimony in his allegiance to Jesus. I pray that that would be the case with all of us. Help us to be the kind of people who also know, Lord Jesus, that it's not about our performance. It's not about our performance and how many people we've led to Christ or how many people we've told about Christ. We understand the urgency of all that, Lord. But your love for us is not conditioned on that. You love us as your sons and as your daughters, as those that you would call righteous, as those that you would call godly and good. So, Lord, I pray that we be encouraged by this story, and as we go uh, the rest of this day and into the evening and the rest of this week, that we be encouraged to walk in the path of some of these godly men and women we've been learning about from the Scriptures. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.